Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleepin. On today's episode, we have longtime friend and world-class coach, Chris Hinshaw, on the show. Now, Chris just came off of five weeks on the road where he's working with athletes, learning from them, and coaching them. And I really enjoyed his perspective on how to prepare for a 10K or a half marathon. What type of training splits are we looking for? Ranges of motion, strength work, but ultimately the major, major takeaway for today is how to optimize your body. Each body is going to be a little bit different in terms of fast twitch, slow twitch, and he dives into deep on how to optimize that. We also get into keto and performance and finish off with how long should an endurance event be or is an endurance event. I really enjoy talking to Chris every time we get on the microphone. There's always something that comes out that I walk away from being like, wow, that was really impactful for me and I hope it's just as impactful for you. Now, before we get into the episode, I want to talk about our friends over at O2, the official recovery drink of the CrossFit Games. Congratulations to Dave and the entire team on all the success you've had closing this funding round. They went out for a funding round. They've done really, really well. We love O2. We sell O2 in our gyms for years. If you're a gym owner out there and you haven't checked out O2 as a recovery drink and a product for your gym, tastes great, works great. Make sure to check them out. Check out our link in the podcast notes for more information on how to get involved. But without any further ado, let's dive into a great episode with my friend, longtime coach, Chris Hinshaw. Let's go. No lead in necessary. We're just going to start chatting. So uh, Chris, welcome back to the show. We always enjoy our conversations together. We've known each other for many, many years. Um, I know you've been traveling a ton, so I, I want to get on the um, you know, get on the podcast with you, check in on how your travels have been, what maybe you've learned as you've been doing it, and then also talk to you about how your SME is back with CrossFit and how that all kind of went. So maybe a little bit of business, a lot of fitness, and maybe even talk about, you know, running. I got a bunch of stuff on my plate, but how have your travels been? How have you been, man? We just finished, uh, what, five weeks on the road. Five um, weeks? Dude, nonstop. Yep. Um, Where was your favorite place you went? Where'd you go? I, I really, I, I really enjoy Italy. I, um, I mean, we've been there a lot. We have a lot of solid relationships over there. Um, but also it feels like we know our way around. It doesn't feel like we're tourists. Um, and, and I mean, we've spent in central Italy. Um, I mean, this last trip, we were there 11 days. Um, I was there, Central Italy, you know, two months prior, and uh, I think four times so far this year. And so it's just comfortable for me. Uh, I wish that I spoke the language, but um, for now, I'm happy just listening to it. I find it a, a beautiful language. And so when you're out in Italy, and then so where, where else did you go besides Italy? Uh, we were, we started by going into New York. We did a seminar in New Jersey. Uh, we then left New York. We did some things with the fire department there. And then we, we, uh, went to Europe. Uh, we were in Berlin for, oh, I think three days, four, three days. Matter of fact, we spent time. Do you remember when you went over there for the invitational in Berlin and. Oh, how can I forget? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, that gets talked about a lot that that invitational and and Matt Chan and and just all of the things that happened and I, I'm 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 always fascinated by uh, 
the the intricacies of a conversation under the umbrella of a a uh, a competition, one where you're representing your country, and and uh, I wish I was there. So, Man, just... when we were in Berlin, so the first time that we competed with Team USA was when it was in London, and then the second time was in Berlin, and then the third time was here in the in the um, U.S. Actually, actually at my hometown, and the second year, if I'm not mistaken, in Berlin was an airplane hangar that we were in, and I'm pretty sure this is right, and it was just. Dude, it was bananas there. It was bananas. It was like, I feel like we were the Beatles because of just, you know, because they didn't have as much exposure to CrossFit at the time or, or the, you know, elite athletes, et cetera. And so, you know, Rich Froning was there and everybody was going crazy and Annie Thor's daughter. It was great. Um, but you were in yeah. Italy. Then you went to Berlin. You've been in New York. Shout out to uh, NYPD and FDNY. I, I, got, yes. I got my, uh, I got my uh, NYPD CrossFit shirt on. And, hold on, uh, hold on, hold on, Jay. I'm not going to be outgunned by you. Hold on. Oh boy, here we go. So, for those of you who are listening, uh, Chris, uh, Chris officially has grabbed his. Oh, so now he wanted to show me that he has a patch for his backpack, which one ups yep. my uh, my NYPD CrossFit shirt. Um, I, so- I can't believe all of the places that you have been before me. Uh, oh, it's <laughs> it's like when someone asks me, you know, tell me some things and. Yeah, they yeah, were we had, really we fired up about you. Yeah, the NYPD—they're yeah. they're doing some really good stuff with their fitness, and and um, yeah. But so, let's face it, though, that took a while, and for them to come around. But it took people like you to go in there and plant the seed. Um, you know, a lot of people will say, "Oh, you know, you just walk in and it's like, you know, you go to the FDNY or the NYPD." It's like. N- it doesn't just magically happen that there's been people in there paving the way like you. And it oh. takes years to, to get people to shift their thinking. Yeah. yeah well, that I was pre- a big deal. I appreciate that. And so when you're traveling yeah. around, you're doing all these seminars, you know, coming off of five weeks of seminars and you're engaged with athletes in person. I think that there's something really special there, by the way, in a world that's yeah. super digital. Um, you're out there, you know, just like us in our gyms, right? touching yep. people, you know, seeing people in person, what, what out of all the, you know, aerobic capacity seminars you've been put on the last five weeks, anything stand out to you as like, huh, I'm seeing some adjustments in the athletes. Cause I mean, you got into the game a long time ago and you've seen athletes progress in the sport of CrossFit, but also just general pop, right. Who just want to come and learn more about, for example, the last episode we did was just kind of this idea of breathing and, and, um, we had a lot of good feedback on that. Yeah. My, my question is after five weeks, anything come from these seminars specifically in different countries that maybe surprise you or is eye opening at all? It's, it's interesting when you travel and you visit different countries, different gyms around the world, you see the, the differences in the coaching knowledge. Um, but also you see it in the athletes, the, the participants that, that come to the, the local gym. What I've, find and and this is one of the benefits of going to to different countries is the enthusiasm of the participant um it's it's more youthful it's more um like a sense of bewilderment there's excitement there's the unknown in their journey um and it's it's like they have found fitness for the very first time and they have this incredible trajectory that they're still riding um they haven't reached plateaus and so 
there's the thirst that is that I experience over there that is unlike a lot of places here in the United States because of let's face it there's a there's a, a level of maturity because CrossFit's been around for a lot longer time and and let's face it the the knowledge base in terms of coaching is is based in the U.S. So when you travel like anybody who visits a gym in Europe will see this 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 you know, the, the excitement, the, the sense of community um, and the strength that that um, gathers around an affiliate. For sure. And so when yeah. you have these seminars, I guess my natural like kind of inclination or question would be like, what are athletes looking for from you? So I imagine there's people that go there who want to improve their CrossFit, right? They want to get better at yeah. the CrossFit games, quarterfinals, semifinals, whatever, right? Yeah. Then, then there's people who probably just want to go there to get prepared for like a 10k is it is, is there different audiences that come or pr primarily most of them coming for the sport of crossfit would you say most are coaches that are in the crossfit space i would say it, in terms of of the the participants percentage wise i would say that number is somewhere 60 plus percent are, are affiliate um coaches and the affiliate owner has sent them there to to learn but it's also to to build up what they already know, what what their their, their knowledge base. That part of the the issue that a lot of coaches have is they feel like they've gotten stale, that mm -hmm. they don't feel that their programming is current, that it's no longer cutting edge, that they've been brought, providing this type of programming for years, and they're looking for another phase. The problem is is it, their insecurities, and where do you start? Um, and I, I really like to, to take that type of individual in our course and empower them. I mean, you have, Jace, a, a, like a massive amount of knowledge. And wouldn't it be something if I can spark something inside of you where you are like, oh, my gosh, I never looked at it that way. I already knew that. I knew it. And it essentially opens another chapter of opportunity for you to pro program and prescribe. That enlightenment is really what I provide. I'm, I'm really trying to, to tap into what people already know and empower them to, to take that next step. Yeah. And that's my number one job. Well, I mean, you know, using myself as a reference, like unlocking this, you know, one of the things we spoke about, spoke about last time we talked was um, the assault runner and how it mimics almost running uphill. And if you don't have an assault runner, which not everybody does, which is fine, to begin your running journey on, you know, like a, a small hill because it helps with kind of midfoot stride cadence, et cetera. And that was something where I already knew that, but it just unlocked it in me. Like I was like, oh, dude, thanks, Chris. That's a great idea. And, you know, yeah. so I, I totally get what you're saying. And when your courses, though, I guess kind of one of the questions that I would have is in our community or or, or I think in CrossFit, people are trying to improve their overall aerobic capacity, their conditioning, et cetera. There's a lot of people out there who are looking for singular specific goals. Like, for example, yeah. they want to be able to enhance their 10K or their half mm -hmm. marathon. Now, would you say that if someone has a more specific goal, like a 10K, half marathon, marathon, their training goals are different than a traditional CrossFitter. So their preparation, their execution has to be a little bit different, I imagine. What have you seen successful in 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 the running world 
for a minute, just for those people who are listening who maybe want and have aspirations to go run their first half marathon, maybe whatever. I know there's a difference in based on length, but what would your advice be for the pure runner? And then we could obviously pivot back to the kind of CrossFit strength conditioning athlete. Well, that's a good question. I, I When you ask a question like that, I think about myself and I think, what would I like if I was in that category where I wanted to train for a 10K or a half marathon? Uh, what would I really want to know? Um, right. And and there's some pieces that that I reflect back on my own self as an athlete, and I wish I knew them. I wish that I implemented them, and it was a huge mistake. I like I think about when I had the opportunity of coaching you. I never wanted you to to look back on your experience with me and go, man could have been better. I just wish Hinshaw brought that up. And, and so when I think about like what you just asked me in, in, in following, like, for example, CrossFit and having that be your priority, there's no doubt that you could be pretty good at 800 meters, uh, to around 5,000 meters. Uh, you can be pretty good, uh, by just training, uh, two running workouts a week and three to four CrossFit workouts a week. But when you get outside that boundary, so if you want to focus on 400 meters or shorter distances, same thing holds true with the 10K. You're now turning more into a specialist. You you need to be more of a sports-specific athlete. You've got to focus on that event because it requires more of your attention. It can't just be a secondary goal of yours. It needs to be the primary focal point. And by doing so, you're going to have to shift your emphasis on your running workouts and de-emphasize your CrossFit workouts um, and, and reframe those CrossFit workouts. What I mean by that is that you're going to scale the CrossFit workouts to down to maybe two, maybe three times a week. But the, the type of workout that you'll be doing needs to also shift to create a better balance in your overall programming, um, as you, you attack that specific goal. And let's just say that's a 10 K, uh, you need to have more of a, a strength based protocol in your programming, especially if you're over the age of 40. Um, you know, it's interesting to me that I watch older people run and it's a bummer. They have that old person shuffle and, mm. you know, and, I'm 58. I know exactly so, what you mean. Yeah, I'm 58, so I'm not. I'm criticizing, you know, people in my demographic. Yeah. I might have that old person shuffle, and I'm 36. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not. I'll never forget when we went hill, you know, hill running. We did that loop and foothill, and oh, I God. would smash you on the track. I mean, Part you of were my like, is still there. oh man, but I, it's like you weren't competition on the track, but man, when we got to the hill, I'm like, that big dude can run. Like your power output put me to shame, like your strength, your power. And that's what old people, that's what happens when, when you age is that you lose that lean muscle mass. And it's, you know, the truth is that's going away. That fast twitch muscle fiber that you really enjoyed when you had, when you were young is going to disappear. And so you want to have a strength-based protocol so that you don't lose that lean muscle mass so that you can generate that power. You know, it's, it, you think about the shuffle, it's a low to the ground movement. Well, if you think about sprinting and maximum velocity, you want to think about you're basically taking flight. So imagine 
if you're shooting a cannonball for maximum distance, do you angle it flat and parallel to the ground or do you angle it at that 45 degree? Well, that 45 degree angle is what you want to sprint at. The problem is, is that when you age and you lose that lean mass as well as your mobility, right? The range of motion that goes away. Matter of fact, there's a, a famous study that, that um, addressed this. And from the age of 40 to the age of 70, your stride length gets cut in half because of those two things. Really? Lean muscle mass, right? Strength, power, force, um, and then your range of motion, your mobility. And all that, it's, it's a shame that the running community doesn't recognize this. There's mm. still a, a skepticism that if you lift, you're going to gain weight. And right. we're not talking about bodybuilding protocols. What we're talking about is, is pure strength, you know, power output, high force. And those runners that are doing these ultras can go back to running their local 10K and still dominate, but they just need to change their focal point and how they're training. They need to, to recognize the reason why they're shuffling is because of the lack of strength as well as mobility. Well, let's, let's, let's break this down. I mean, I, this is a very interesting topic for me, at least. Um, yeah. Well, you're coming I, into it. How old are you? I'm 36. I'm not coming in. Dude, you're old. I'm, no, no, you're okay. I'm so I'm, I'm telling you, your VO2 max has already been cut by, you know, a couple points at the age oh. of 34. You're officially old. Oh, well, as I'm officially old, it, as I'm <laughs> preparing, like in this 10, 10K, <laughs> I think obviously we didn't break down different distances, but what I'm hearing, and this is really interesting to me, is I was actually going to do like a short format podcast on this, is that you make the best decision you can with the information you're given at the current time. Right. Yeah. And I relate this a lot to like when Ava got sick with leukemia, you make the best decision you can with the information you're given. And you, there's no regrets because at that point you did everything you could. And it's like when you were training me years ago, you gave me the best information you could with the knowledge you had at the time. And, but things evolve over time, right? Of course, just like anything. And as sport evolves, I mean, I'm seeing it right now personally, not only in CrossFit, but in jujitsu as well. It's crazy to see the evolution recently because of better coaching, better athletes, et cetera. But anyways, back yeah. on the running, what I find to be interesting is you talk about your athletic career, right? Um, being an Ironman, spending a lot of time professionally in that. And it wasn't spoke about, I don't think as much in terms of strength training and range of motion. My sister-in-law recently has been going to Barry's and she's been incorporating a lot of running lately. And she was complaining about knee pain. And so I recommended that she could do some foam rolling and work out her IT band, which I, I thought not seeing her, not talking to her much, that that could be an issue, right? It's just overuse, need to kind of stretch it out. So my question for you, and, and based on the knowledge you're sharing about how your strength and your range of motion decreases, so it creates a shuffle. If someone's like in their, let's just say 30s to 60s or whatever, and they're trying to run a 10K, let's start there. If their priority is running over CrossFit, now there's people that are opposite, right? And then their yep. training protocols needs to shift based on that. What would you recommend for someone in that category looking to get prepared for a 10K? What would that split be? And what movements would you recommend on those days? So I would recommend running three days a week. Uh, it's pretty well known now that that running three days a week can even get you all the way up to a successful marathon. 
Um, and if I was running a marathon, I'd probably add a fourth day. But the three days, what you're really breaking them down into is um, the, the different types of intensities and volumes to make sure that your entire spectrum of muscle fibers has some form of adaptation. Um, I'll, I'll put this into context. Like I, I mentioned sure. that I never lifted heavy when I was doing triathlons. I mean, I did speed work, but I, I never challenged myself neurologically um, on heavy loads. I mean, I, I never even pushed a sled. I mean, I did hill sprints, which was the closest thing in terms of, of strength. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, I had 15% of my body roughly was fast twitch muscle fibers. And because I never fully adapted them, they were passive. Um, you, on the other hand, when we started working together, you did the opposite. You trained your entire spectrum of fast twitch fibers, but because you never focused on the slow twitch aerobic, you left, you know, for an average athlete where they have 50, 50 blend of fast twitch and slow twitch, you left a much higher percentage passive. So what we want to be thinking about is in movement, such as if we're targeting the movement of running, what are we leaving behind? What are, what are we not training? And we need to make sure that our program is not leaving those things behind. And so the easy way to look at it is we need energy to move and we need our muscles to allow us to move. So those muscles need that energy to help them contract. So we have three primary energy systems and we have three primary categories of muscle fiber groups. Well, what we want to do is we want to do high intensity interval training to go after those fast twitch anaerobic and phosphagen um, metabolic pathways. That's what we want to do. So short with lots of rest that builds our VO2 max, our ability to utilize oxygen. We also want to do some moderate uh, based intervals that are higher volume uh, than the speed intervals, uh, but they also have less rest. This intensity is targeting those intermediate fibers as well as that anaerobic and aerobic system. Um, this is essentially what we call you know, going after that lactate threshold or your maximum sustainable pace intensity. And then the third category that you must include is the aerobic side, slow twitch. Um, this is what we would call easy pace. And because it's easier than the moderate, we're going to go much longer and we're going to try and take little rest or zero rest. So this would be your long, easy run day. And if I was going to add that fourth, it would just be a recovery run, something simple, very low intensity, 30 minutes of time on your feet. Um, if I was training for a marathon, that's what I would do. And it, it, those three intensities target the three metabolic core metabolic pathways and the three core muscle fiber groups. And that way, now everything's been trained. You're not leaving anything behind. The, the low hanging fruit has now been um, um, adapted um, from those stimuluses and you'll, you'll have a good experience. Now, what I'm, what I'm picking up and I'm writing this down is you're almost optimizing your body for lack of a better term. And I think you actually shared it best. You're like, Hey man, 15% of my body hypothetically is, was, um, fast twitch. I, I did some sprint work, but I never necessarily optimized those, that those fibers, so you, right. which begs the question of if you had what, what could have been possible overall. So we have these yeah. three days of training for, for endurance. Right. And when I think about these three days, I'm thinking about, you know, I don't know, 
30 seconds short burst, maybe a minute and 30 seconds rest. And these shorter ones, maybe the middle one's more like an 800 meter, kind of like three to four minute range, give or take with a shorter rest period. And the longer one is like these 30 minute plus runs at, you know, e easy, moderate effort as an example. But yep, when we talk it. about strength training, in your opinion, where do those fit in? So if I'm training three days a week for my, my 10 K, my half marathon, I think this is super relevant. I, I know that I, mm -hmm. I got reached out to you, but from a gentleman who listened to our previous podcast, he said, Hey man, I'm really getting into running and Hinshaw's example on breathing really made an impact on me. And I think there's a lot of people out there who have a desire to run a 10 K or a half marathon or something. And they're wondering what their split should look like. So now if they're out yeah. there running and let's just say they're spending total time of like 40 minutes with, with switching up their different paces and whatnot. And they could obviously use your program through aerobic capacity for the strength side. Do they then add that in on separate days and what movements would you recommend in that? And are we talking about Metcons? We're talking about just pure strength in your opinion. Wow. You are on it. I, boy, I'm so stoked. I prepared a little bit. Uh, <laughs> So uh, my recommendation is, is like I said, I would, I would build out my schedule based upon running three days a week. And um, you're always going to want to take a rest day um, after each one of those running workouts. So those three running workouts, it really depends on your schedule, but typically the long run will happen on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, I would recommend dovetailing that long run and putting it on the date of your event. So meaning if your 10 K or half marathon is on a Saturday, then always do your long run, uh, on the Saturday. Uh, mm, if you're going to yeah. do that, that one recovery run, it would come the day after that long run. Uh, then you would take a day of rest. There would either be the, the high intensity interval workout or the moderate intensity interval workout. My preference is, is I would do the high intensity interval workout, then take a day of rest and throw in the moderate one on the, the, the day surrounding that, um, that's when you're going to be building out your CrossFit workouts. Um, and there's, there's a couple of things that you can do with that. Um, first of all, I would focus on a strength-based program as my priority. If I had more time. I would do a high intensity CrossFit style Metcon, um, mainly because uh, the, the training that I'm doing running by large part, it's longer time domains. Even the speed right. interval workouts are long time domains. And this requires some clarification. Remember I'm, 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 we're, I'm prescribing three intensities. Let's call it easy, moderate, and fast. The goal of those intensities is to hit a, a specific stimulus to maximize the adaptation of that stimulus. So the easy pace, the purpose is you're really training that aerobic threshold, those slow twitch fibers, and you need to be relatively um, accurate in your definition of what you call easy is so that it maximizes that adaptation. If you're far off, then it's just not a good use of your time. It's essentially wasting your time. So when we define easy, you, you can define it as like a zone two training in terms of heart rate. You can take Maffetone's method, which is 180 minus your age, um, like the breathing thing that we talked about. This is where you have no difficulty in your breathing. Uh, if you talk about a talk test, it's where you can continuously communicate to someone while exercising. That would be easy pace. And the purpose of it is to maximize the percentage adaptation 
of those slow twitch fibers. Now, if you go faster than that, you're still maximizing those slow twitch fibers, but it's a higher level of intensity. So why right. not slow down and hit the sweet spot? So the moderate pace is really a lactate threshold intensity, and that would be an intensity that you could hold for 20 to 40 minutes. So normally you would do it as intervals. But what you must remember is the more time you spend at that particular intensity, the greater level of adaptation. So let's just say that you are doing, you know, thousand meter intervals. Well, you get to the sweet spot somewhere, let's say after, you know, 400 meters within that interval. Now you're in that correct zone to drive adaptation. You finish the thousand and let's just say you're taking three minutes of rest. The problem is, is that now you're recovering and you're no longer in the targeted stimulus to maximize adaptation. So what you want to think about is the amount of time that you've been at that targeted stimulus. So every time you rest, you lose the stimulus and then you start the next interval and you're ramping that heart rate back up. You're ramping that breathing rate back up. And now after 400 meters are back in the sweet spot again. The same thing holds true with fast or high intensity. That I would consider a time domain intensity of you know max effort for six to eight minutes. Right. Same thing holds true. Every time you rest, you lose the stimulus. So it's about time that you're focusing on. You're focusing on the amount of time at each of those three stimuluses. And those three stimuluses have specific purposes in terms of their adaptation. So you know what I love about what you're talking about here, Chris, and something I've been leaning into more is like trying to optimize my time, yes. uh, optimize my body, right? As I'm getting mm -hmm. older, I've been really exploring hot and cold. I've been exploring different training. I've been really yep. having fun with it. And what I think you're referring to, and I, I think this is where it relates really big to me, is like the intention of your training and being aware of what is your goal and expectation as an athlete. And there, there, there takes some time to train your body for this. But I mean, if you're going in for that day, okay, today is a high intensity day and you're resting or, and, and you're only resting 10 seconds, maybe you're not getting the stimulus you're trying to get right. Versus yep. if you're in that middle stage and you're resting too long for 10 minutes, you're just not optimizing your time. And I think you need to be aware of connecting your brain with your body and saying, Hey, what am I trying to accomplish today? And am I reaching that? And being intentional in your training is something that yep. I've been doing a better job of bodybuilders talk about it all the time in regards to like the intention of the movement. And this is something that CrossFitters never talk about, but bodybuilders talk about all the time. It's like, I'm trying to work. I'll never forget this, Chris. Um, I don't know if you know who Hani Rambot is, but I was doing my first bodybuilding workout with him and we're doing like chest press. And then we get off, we do something else and we get off and he has me flex my chest and he didn't care about my, he didn't care about my reps. He didn't care about anything. All he cared about is, are you hitting the muscle fiber that I'm shooting for right at the top of my pec? And are you feeling a pump there? And it was really interesting because it was very intentional versus trying yeah. to get the work done. If that makes sense. Love it. Of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's why everything should have a purpose and you should ha know that purpose prior to your execution of it. Why am I doing it? And if it's not, if you're not aware, then, uh, then, I, I would I would not perform it um, just because you don't have unlimited time. Mm -hmm. And so like you asked earlier, like, you know, as far as strength based movements, that's an important question because you can't do all the strength based 
you know, movements in the gym to, to focus, help you focus on your 10 K you right. can't all the time. And you have right. to know what they are. Right. right. And so what people need to be aware of is that, that, that it's, it's called the theory of specificity. And what you're, you're trying to do is find uh, strength-based movements that are specific to the targeted goal. So if you're focusing on running, let's just think it through of what strength-based movements are that you can do on dry land that mimic the movement of running, right? So if you think about like split squats, right? Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Single leg Romanian deadlifts, makes sense. Um, overhead squats, um, banded walks, you know, lateral walks, um, single leg alternating box jumps, those, you know, hurdle jumps, you know, using dumbbells to do box step ups. It's, it needs to be specific to the movement you're training. That's how you maximize adaptation. And there's all kinds of secondary types of movements. I mean, you could argue that push-ups have huge value. If you think about the arm swing, you know, you think about doing ring dips or tricep dips, huge value. Um, and the reason you want to create those lists. So in, in a running posture and position, right? You're, let's just say you're, you're, you're transferring through this range of motion, in your upper body. Now, if I develop my chest or this tricep push, where is the benefit there in terms of my cadence and gait and, and running position? Ah, so I'm that's, missing the that's direct a, correlation. So that's a great question because one of the things, so I don't want to train like a bodybuilding protocol, like you mentioned, because I don't want to build on size mass. One of the things that, um, is, is record. I mean, why are elite marathon runners so lean? Because right. you got to carry that weight. And that's what we call aerobic power. When you get a VO2 max test, an aerobic capacity test, they're testing your ability to move and utilize oxygen in whatever movement that you are testing. When they look at the movement of running, they divide your score by your kilograms of body weight because in the movement of running, you've got to carry the weight. The weight does matter. And so um, when we look at, at so we don't want to do bodybuilding type protocol, but we want to do two other types of, of strength-based protocols. One is maximal strength between one rep and five rep. We want to challenge our neurological system uh, on the recruitment of motor units. This ultimately has proven to improve your efficiency to utilize uh, your, your energy. Um, so think of it as, you know, you don't have unlimited energy inside of you to allow the muscles to move. Think about it in terms of miles per gallon. If you improve your running economy, then you get better miles per gallon. You get better utilization of your energy. And that's important. That's one of the, the three primary factors that go into creating, you know, better running performances. Yeah, I like that miles per gallon. I like that. <laughs> right. So the second is, is that we talk about muscular endurance. And this is important. This is where a, a, a coach can really help a runner. So let's just say, you know, so let's say that in four years, you're 40 years old and you walk in the door and now you're on that threshold of, of losing from 40 to 70 50% of your stride length um, um, as you age due to, 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 you know, your lean muscle mass and range of motion. Okay. So you know that, but let's say you walk into 
you know, Chris Hinshaw's, you know, gym and you're interested in signing up, but you're asking me, what is my value proposition? You're a runner and you want to get better at your running. And so are you prepared for that answer? Like, do you know how to appeal to this 40 year old male? Well, all this person wants to hear is how you're going to make them get better. So yeah, range of motion, important, nutrition, important, you know, pure strength, important, but that's not going to be a hot button. They're going to just tune out. Tell right. me how you're going to make me fast. Well, what about using muscular endurance? You know, many of the protocols that are within CrossFit, high volume, moderate load lifting. Imagine if those movements mimic the movement patterns of the upper body while an individual runs. So think about just an assault bike and, and doing arms only on the assault bike. Okay. Is that, is, are those arm mechanics similar to what that athlete would experience when they run? Is it specific to the movement of running? It's pretty darn close. And it's resistance movement, meaning push and pull arms only. And why is that important? Well, what if I could improve the upper body's ability to clear lactic acid, right? The lactate and the acidity, these fatigue causing properties. Remember, your fast twitch, high intensity movements will create this lactic acid. If you don't get rid of this acidity, it's going to build up and ultimately interfere with the muscle's ability to function. Essentially, you'll be forced to slow down. So we know we have to get rid of it. Well, what's amazing about the body is your slow twitch aerobic fibers will consume the lactate as a fuel to help contract those slow twitch fibers. It will take and grab the acidity. And as it burns off that lactate as a fuel, it will take the acidity and remove it from the body. So think of your fast twitch anaerobic creates this acidity, but your slow twitch aerobic fibers clear the acidity. So there's a balance there. Aerobic level training, muscular endurance training, under the protocols of CrossFit, right? Higher volume, moderate weight with very little rest, if any rest, improves your slow twitch fibers ability to clear lactic acid. Well, in the movement of running, if you walked into the gym, I'm gonna assume your legs are optimized. And you know what's gonna slow you down in running is the accumulation of that lactic acid. That acidity is gonna build up in the muscles that are moving, meaning your running muscles, and it's ultimately gonna spill into the bloodstream. It's called lactate shuttle. And when it does, it now is just trying to find available vacant slow twitch fibers to consume that lactate as a fuel. And when it does, it takes the acidity out of the body. So where does it go in running muscles? It goes to the other large muscles in the body, the arms, the shoulders, the chest, mm. the back. Yep. Imagine if those muscle groups were more efficient at the removal of lactic acid, then could the legs do more work? Could you right. run faster? And the answer is, it's obvious. And so that's where you, you can really dial in and optimize around a specific goal, but we need the athletes help to define what that, that goal is because we don't know what their weakness is. And if we don't, we can drive them in the wrong direction. Man. Yeah. I like that. 
I, I like that because when a lot of people think about it, they're like, oh, you know, if you're, if you're a runner, you shouldn't do any type of upper body exercises, but there's benefit, like you said, in training those muscle fibers. So I, I appreciate that. And I think from a miles per gallon perspective, when I think about what you've been speaking about, uh, we're talking about the intention behind training. I think that's important. I think that's important in general. Yeah. We're talking about optimizing the body in terms of the muscle fibers, which I think is, is something that's unique and different to discuss. And I think you know, the evolution of the athlete has changed. You know, I think CrossFit's had a lot to do with that. It's built a lot of awareness on aerobic, anaerobic, and how do we work those different um, thresholds? You know, one yep, of the things absolutely. that all kind of shift into a little bit, you know, I work with a lot of jiu-jitsu athletes right now. We work with a lot of, you know, a lot of different groups and we have a lot of different people in our gyms and we have people yeah. that are, you know, software engineers to pro jiu-jitsu athletes. And one of the things that I'm trying to work on which jujitsu is a little bit of like this anaerobic, but it's also aerobic. It's a very weird sport because it could be 30 minutes long, but there's like crazy bursts. And I'm thinking yep. about how this relates to endurance. So aerobic capacity. Yep. And for 40 days, I ate only meat and some fruit for 40 days. And mm -hmm. I was wearing a continuous glucose monitor, really into it. And I was trying to see if I can get myself in a state of ketosis and then identify, um, what energy systems I was able to operate in to basically create energy. And my question for you is, have you or any of your team or athletes been exploring ketosis in, in keto? And what are, what is your perspective on a low carb diet and its benefits for essentially getting you in a state of ketosis to then utilize ketones as an energy source instead of carbohydrates? So I'm fascinated by it. Um, I, I read a lot <laughs> That's a big of, I, question. I, know. I, I read a, yeah, I read, I read a lot about it. Um, and, and I, I don't have any top level athletes that, that are on a, or follow a ketogenic diet, but I have many that, that do. And, um, I, I, I am interested in the results and I'm interested in, in, um, ways to, to support this, this goal of theirs of, of being ketogenic. I mean, it's, it's, I, I don't, I don't fully understand it, but I respect it, um, in terms of why someone would want to do it. Um, and, and my ma main issue is, is that I, I always revert back to performance and I do like the idea of, of becoming more fat adapted. I mean, one of the reasons why I, 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 overwhelmingly prescribe easy intensity is uh, one of the benefits of easy is that it's, it's an intensity where, um, your oxygen is, is converting, you know, energy from fats and carbohydrates at a ratio of 50, 50. If we go at a higher intensity than what, the, what I'm recommending in terms of easy now, unfortunately we're becoming more carb burning dominant. So we never want to lose the athlete's ability to utilize fat as a fuel. As a matter of fact, you know, one of the things that Camille did to win the CrossFit Games in 2014, she came to me 10, 11 months prior uh, to the 2014 Games and said, how do I put my body in the best possible position to have more carbohydrates in store, in storage for the final day? So essentially she is asking how do i become more fat adapted so i can conserve my carbs that's right and be able to dominate on my last day right that was legit and so 
one of the beauties of the human body is you put a stimulus on it and you can create an adaptation. So if her targeted adaptation is to become more fat adapted, then her long weekend workouts were in a fasted state. As a matter of fact, the, the night before, she's a very light dinner after a full day of training. Breakfast includes not much other than just water. And I would encourage her to do some kind of a CrossFit style workout in the morning. Again, nothing much after that. And then go out and do your three hour, you know, easy conditioning piece. Well, if you no longer have carbs available for that easy conditioning piece, your only option is to, to utilize fat as a fuel. And that's the same thing that holds true when someone hits the wall in a marathon. You ran out of carbs, you, you don't have them, and you are forced to slow because you have to now convert fat into energy. And that requires that slower speed. Um, it's much more difficult for the body to convert fat into energy. So when people are on keto, they're very well fat adapted, meaning their ability to conserve their consumption of carbohydrates is, is, has been modified, which is a huge plus. But there's always a consequence for everything. And the consequence by following keto is that the body is, it's much easier for it to convert a carbohydrate into energy than it is a fat. What that means is that if you do not, so I'll give you an example. My aerobic threshold pace, my easy pace in the movement of running is a heart rate of 130. My lactate threshold in the movement of running is 162. Well, when I am at my heart rate of 130, 50% of my energy is coming from fat. 50 is coming from carbs. At a heart rate of 162, 100% of my energy is coming from carbohydrate. Zero is coming from fat. So my point is, is as you increase your intensity, you're transitioning from fats into carbs because the body can convert those into energy much easier. So if you were on keto, I'm fairly confident that your top end, your maximal intensity... Um, intensities above lactate threshold were affected negatively. You know, what I love about this conversation and you and I, we haven't spoke too, too much about this, but no. uh, this, this gentleman, Thomas DeLauer, uh, yeah. he is, an, he is a, I'd call him an expert in regards to the keto and things of that mm -hmm. nature. And he actually reached out to me yesterday. He wanted to sit down and talk to you. So I think the three of us should definitely chat because I'm fascinated by this conversation just because one of his theories is um, if you could become fat adapted and then if your your body can work off fat better, then when you consume carbohydrate before an excessively intense situation, yes. for example, a jujitsu event or his yep. example is like, let's just say you have a, you know, a military group that's about to go do some things at night, they could consume carbohydrates instantly, like let's just say five, 10 minutes before that activity. And those yep. carbohydrates can be funneled into the brain to support cognitive function better. Um, it, yep. that was one of, and I would love to sit down and talk about this, uh, with him, of course, but that was one of his. Yes. Yeah, so I, so I'm a huge fan of that. So that's where I've been spending my time is maybe the solution is that you dose yourself with carbohydrate meal. Yep. You know, to, to, to then have that glycogen, those, the stores available 
for the workout. And then during the workout, you can do the high intensity and burn off that carbohydrate stores and be back to keto at the end of the workout. And the key would be, is like having a conversation and addressing what types of carbs would be optimal and what is the timing of, of the, the ingestion of, of those carbohydrates, as well as the timing of the workout um, and, 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 and how much to take. That to me is interesting. And that's where I'm playing around with. And I would love to have a conversation like that. I think that could be, yeah, I mean, especially with an expert. Well, yeah, the, one of the reasons why I'm fascinated by it is because I wore a continuous glucose monitor for um, um, for a while, and I would watch my blood glucose spike, and prior to that, I would maybe go have like a spoonful of honey and see what would happen. So yeah. these are just conversations I think need to happen just to see if we could further enhance um, athletes' potential. But switching gears yep. a little bit, you know, I think we should definitely have a follow-up conversation about keto and performance because I, I really like that. I love what you've been talking about this entire time and, and really prepping people in, in regards to um, optimizing their running. Um, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit to what you're seeing in regards to CrossFit performance. So earlier I was kind of asking my questions more of like a broader scale. Now, I guess looking at the quarterfinals, the semifinals, the CrossFit game seasons currently going on, I haven't been as engaged in it as I have in years past per, per se. Um, what are you seeing in terms of um, overall how much aerobic capacity plays a factor in this? Um, and what's your general theme about how the CrossFit games are going right now? I'm just, just curious. It's important that everyone realizes that intensity is based upon the time domain of a workout. And the number one task that any athlete needs to 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 do to, to look at when they see a workout they've never done before is to estimate how long it's going to take i would consider a um an endurance event three minutes and longer um and and let me define that um, yeah if you see a workout that people wouldn't think it's three minutes or more they'd be thinking it's like 20 minutes or more but anyways go ahead because it's, it's, in my opinion, it's where your energy is coming from. And so, you know, you look at those metabolic pathways and what is fueling your, your muscles ability to contract ability to move uh, after three minutes. And the majority of that, that energy is coming from the oxygen that you breathe in your, your aerobic system. It's not anaerobic. It's, it's what we would consider uh, aerobic slow twitch muscle fiber is allowing that to occur. And so this is where, if you see an event that's three minutes and longer, I would consider it endurance, meaning you don't have enough energy to just go out hot. You're not going to do well. You will underperform because it's just too long to just hang on. You know, if it's two minutes and under, you'll go out hot and you'll die. But because it's under two minutes, that that death is is you know let's just say it's it's under a minute in total time so remember 3 minutes and longer you've got to pace it you don't have unlimited unlimited energy now in terms of of your vo2 max um, your true aerobic capacity this is where you see crossfit athletes at the highest end performing for longer durations and what i'm talking about is upwards of 9 minutes so you take a, a speed strength power athlete like a Dan Bailey, a Cole Sager. You know, these are sprint-based athletes. They've got incredible speed reserve. They've got an incredible tolerance. 
to uh, accumulation of acidity in the muscles that are moving and they can keep them turned on under those high doses of acidity. I mean, that's what we call anaerobic capacity. They have that, they have that ability that what you're seeing from those athletes is a very high VO2 max score and they can leverage that VO2 max along with their ability to tolerate lactic acid and they can perform upwards of nine minutes. But after that, those athletes begin to fall off. Why? Because now in longer time domains beyond nine minutes, you need a high maximum sustainable pace. You need a high lactate threshold. Your ability to move without accumulating any fatigue-causing metabolites, you know, that, that, that acidity as far as the lactic acid. And that's where it becomes important. So now I'd ask you, look at the time domain of the workouts just in the open and look what they're targeting. They're long. They're beyond nine minutes. Yeah. And, and so they're really changing the, the emphasis that athletes need to target um, outside of the open, meaning in the gym. If you don't have a very high lactate tolerance, then you're going to underperform. Because having yeah. a high VO2 max is not going to cut it anymore because of the time domains. So time is the big decider of it all. In time. the open. And, and, and so, but moving, right. Time, the time domains in the open then transition to people to the quarterfinals. I have not looked at, uh, I think, are we in the quarterfinals or semifinals right now? We're doing team semis now this weekend. Team semis. Jay, I love it. That, you know, it just goes to show that someday, you know, I remember running with you and Garrett and Miranda and uh, Neil, and I said to myself, you know, this will end someday. And the fact that you don't even know what's happening this weekend, I, 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 I love it. I love it. Hey, Evolution. Know, me, look, I want the CrossFit Games to be super successful. I want the athletes to dominate and thrive. I just have other interests and other things that I spend my time with. And I love yep our gyms and maintaining our fitness, right? Um, yep. You know, you my, my goals have switched from being the fittest on earth to living freely and fully outside the gym. And, yep. but I still like talking about it because I like seeing where the sport's going and how the athletes are evolving, which is why I love, because you, you're, you're very much so engaged and involved. And yep. so you're talking about it from a aerobic capacity and like this longer duration, you know, I mean, are you seeing significant, I mean, uh, it seems like the athletes just at a whole different level than even what they were three or five years ago. Is that, is that, is that true? Yeah. I mean, it's selfishly, that's why I didn't want Frazier to retire. Uh, you know, he was <laughs> just like you, you it's uh, if I taken just to find you, I would read scientific literature and it would tell me that if you run, it's going to interfere with your strength. And working with you and Garrett and Neil, which are arguably the three of the strongest athletes ever in the sport, were, were good examples. And one of the things that I recognized right away with the three of you is if we do moderate intensities for moderate distances, meaning, you know, run workouts are three to four miles in total amount of time at moderate intensities, it wouldn't be unheard of that you would PR a lift later that afternoon. That was a surprise. 
And it, it made me realize that a lot of the, the scientific literature about this, this theory of specificity and interference effect, it may not hold true for the people that sit in the middle, meaning, you know, not on the extreme. So take a Usain Bolt, he's on the extreme in terms of fast twitch physiology, and I'm on the extreme in terms of slow twitch physiology. But the average individual sits in the middle with a a more balanced distribution of muscle fiber. And so maybe those rules don't apply. And that's one of the things that, that I loved about Frazier is that just like you, he was defining the impossible. Like you should not have been able to run a 520 mile, put 400 pounds over your head, but you could. You shouldn't have been able to run a 520 mile and pull a 610 on a 2K row, but you could. Why? You prove that there's anomalies that are pushing the edges of the muscle fiber spectrum, meaning your strength is getting there towards the elite and your endurance is pushing the slow twitch into the spectrum. You're covering more of the spectrum of, of end, from endurance to strength than that's ever been recorded. And that to me is what's happening right now in CrossFit is that they're redefining continuously what is the impossible. And that's what's so fascinating about Tia. Now, I just spent three days with Justin Medeiros and um, his coach Adam at, at Fort Vancouver. And there is no doubt that Justin Medeiros um, has redefined the next step um, in terms of, of, of where the sport is going. Uh, this guy is incredibly young. He's incredibly healthy. He loves the sport. He loves training hard. Um, and he's got, you know, I asked him, I go, how many more years do you have? You think? And he says, you know what? I think I've got at least 10, which wow. at 22 is hard to argue, you know, if it he takes care of himself. That's right? right. And so imagine in the little time that you defined what, you know, essentially Glassman's vision saw, you know, and pushing these extremes imagine how he's going to take that even further. And that's to me, what's exciting. I, I, I really feel that what you started um, and are doing today is, is redefining a level of fitness that's never been seen before. Yeah. It, it, Justin Medeiros and Frazier and these guys, you know, yeah, I remember when I first got into CrossFit, it was a Chris Spieler that really, for me, yeah. represented something that was very unique where he was so, he was so, he was much smaller than many, but he was still able to put up some pretty good weights and it, and it kind of showed how technique was important and, and muscle fiber and density and all of those things. And right. so it's been, it's been fun. You're right. It is interesting. That I don't even know what is going on in the, in the quarterfinals or semifinals. And maybe that's good. Maybe, maybe I should be more aware. Who knows? But eh, that's not where matter. I'm at. No, that's a lot going on, but I, I just think know. that, that yeah. you're an anomaly. That's what you should know. Well, you are, right. you are one of the very few people that I've come across. Froning is an anomaly. Frazier is an anomaly that you are big, but you can manage your size. I mean, the, the fact that Froning has a VO2 max of, of 72 milliliters per kilogram per minute at 198 pounds. I mean, and so 72, to put that into perspective, you know, in my era of, of, of marathon running, you know, in, in the eighties, uh, uh, the, the world record holder was a Derek Clayton and he ran two Oh eight. 
and his VO2 was 69. Froning is 72. His problem is, is that Froning's just too big. I mean, if he got right. down to 115 pounds, I think that he'd be in contention for Olympic trials. But so if he drops 75 pounds, um, I, <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta ask you though, man, is so you know you 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 started back on the tour a little bit with you know you were doing your own aerobic capacity seminars and now you're mm -hmm. back back in with CrossFit because they've started to have their own specialty seminars. Um, which is exciting news, dude. I hope it's going super, super well for you. How's that transition been um, pulling it back underneath the umbrella of, of CrossFit? And what are your hopes for there? What, what are your hopes for that collaboration? I guess I should ask. Being honest, um, my hopes are to, 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 to not be on the outside. Um, you know, I love the sport. I like what it's done for me as, as an individual in terms of my own health and well-being. Um, but it was always um, a good old boy group of people. And as much as I, I would do anything to contribute, um, you know, I'm, I have a very conservative lifestyle. Um, I just wasn't a part of, of the organization. It, it just didn't happen. But with Eric Rosa under his guidance, um, I've noticed significant change. I've noticed change in terms of the attitude, the perception, um, the the willingness to listen uh, to different perspectives, and that appeals to me. I, I one of the things that is the biggest turnoff is that when people just don't listen. I, I, I and I certainly understand where there's miscommunication, meaning that we're both trying, like even in this conversation, I'm trying to adjust my knowledge to where you are and you're adjusting your knowledge to where I am. And sometimes it just doesn't, it takes time to, to see eye to eye. They're finally willing to sit down and understand the perspective and the issues and the concerns. And that appeals to me a lot. I'm going to give you an example. Sure. Uh, you know, in Brazil, you know, the currency has, you know, devalued. It's it's 20% of what it used to be. Well, should we charge Brazilians the same rate for a seminar that we would charge someone in New York City? Well, the answer used to always been, of course we should. But why wouldn't we drop it by $100? And instead of getting 10 people to show up, we can get 50 people to show up. Well, that never was listened to. Now, it's 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 just like you and I are talking. I, mean, I don't even need to ask you your thoughts on it. I mean, it's obvious what you would want to do. Yeah, if it works. I mean, I think there needs. Hey, how about cryptocurrency? We should all just be uh, switching over to to Bitcoin. Are you? Uh, are, there you we'll, go. We'll have a conversation about that offline. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> offline. Uh, uh, but you know, I, I think that's right. And so they're starting to they're starting to listen. They're starting to have those conversations. And and for you, it magnifies your message and gets you in front of even more people. Maybe, perhaps, right? And yeah, I mean, it maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe. I mean, the courses always did really well. Um, but this is where I always want to listen, like with you. I really, I every time that I, you, you and I have a conversation, I listen, I pay attention to you, uh, I listen to your words, and I think about them afterwards. There is no doubt that that CrossFit is the biggest individual in the sandbox. And mm. if they're progressive, if they're, they're, they're driving towards the future, it would be foolish not to listen. 
because of the influence, the weight that they carry. And so uh, being aligned with them, it, it allows me special privileges, not, and not in terms of getting confidential information, but it's, if, if I am part of the organization, uh, then it, 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 it does present potential value long-term. For um, sure. In terms of my ideas, my methodologies, you know, my thought process, um, and that is a benefit. I, I, I really, my number one goal is to learn more and become a better coach. And CrossFit, let's face it, is at the center of the universe right now, and and um, they can help provide that in ways that others cannot. And so looking at your seminars moving forward, you know, you, you still teach, correct me if I'm wrong, all of your <laughs> seminars. Is that right? Uh, if, how do you, you, I know I'm, I'm, I'm so I'm going to just, yeah, I know where you're going. So yes, I do. One of the things though, that they want to do is expand the, <laughs> you know, where of I'm courses. going with this question. I know right? you're just loaded. Yeah. So one of the things that early on, like you take Glassman, Glassman did all of his seminars and then brought on seminar staff. So this is where CrossFit is beneficial. If, if we're going to expand the seminars and instead of where I did 30 of them a year was, you know, what I typically would average and you're right. I did them all, which is, and a I lot, like to, by the way, just for the do. sake of the argument, that's 30 seminars. E even if they're single day, that's still 30 different events that you put on throughout the duration of the year. So anyways, yeah. just I mean, and, I mean, but, it's at a minimum, it's one hotel night. For sure. Yeah. And, and they're all over the world that we did them, but that also gave me an advantage of seeing what gyms are doing all over the world. And, um, I was able to, to scale my content based on what I would see. So yeah, with, with CrossFit, they want to expand on that. Uh, and they're, they're looking at, at doing many more. I mean, my goal would be to target somewhere around one per week. So let's say 50, Per year, I cannot do that, and this is where they can help. Um, you know, what is the 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 internship protocol look like? The training protocol. Um, how how do you do you um, provide? Is it a script? Is it script and video? Um, you know, time schedules, learning objectives. What does that look like? And how do you bring people on board? Um, and because there are many people that have done our course many times. I mean, many, you take a guy like Connor Murphy that, you know, at Reebok, I mean, he's co-coached, you know, eight courses with me. Well, he would be a great candidate, but what's the protocol and how do we get him approved? And that's where they can help because I want it to be an experience similar to what I could provide. Yeah. Dude, you're just so. the guy you've been, I, I love talking to you, man. I mean, cause you're, you're like boots on the ground all over the world. Just don't, if you move to Italy, well, I guess you're right now you're in Tennessee. So if you end up moving to Italy, just, uh, you got to come out to the West coast and come see us sometime soon, man. I, uh, so can I give you, can I give you some, uh, I'll give you an exclusive. Sure. Give me an exclusive. 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 I, I really think that we're going to move to the Pacific Northwest. I, we, Heidi and I really had a Washington, Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had a nice time there uh, and it's closer to our families in California. You know, her father's getting older. My mom is, is getting older. Um, and you know, all our families live in California. Um, and so, yeah, I think October, 
moving moving to the Pacific Northwest is the the plan. Well, let's go. That's my birthday month. You could fly out, end up in the Pacific Northwest, travel down, or maybe I'll come up and see you. We'll go to Willamette Valley and go celebrate with some Pinot together. That's oh. the <laughs> wow! Ashley look at you. Hey, don't don't worry. I'm, I'm 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 trying to be worldly here, Ashley. You are worldly. Yeah, Ashley loves uh, Ashley loves Pinots, and uh, they happen to have, grow some great ones out there, and then obviously yep. here in California. Yep. No, I so might have just butchered that I've, name by the way. Willamette, Willamette Valley. I know what you meant. No, that would be amazing. I, any time with you, I'd be happy to do it. But yeah, it, we just, uh, I mean, we only planned on being here in Cookville for a year and it's now been four. Um, oh I know time just, time flies. So Dude, time, time flies, but we will welcome you back here on the West Coast at any time. Um, you know, I want to be sensitive of your time for people that are interested in getting ready for that 10K, that half marathon. Maybe they want to enhance their cross experience. Um, where is the best place to go? Aerobicapacity.com? Aerobicapacity.com. That would be the best. Yep. Dude, and then go check out Aerobic Capacity online. We'll make sure that we add it into the show notes. Uh, Chris Hinshaw, it is always a pleasure. You have boots on the ground. You travel in the world, and you come share your wisdom with us. So thank you so much, and I can't wait to have you on again next time, huh? Definitely. Anytime, Jay. Anytime. I love it. <laughs>